You're listening to the Assistance Together podcast. How does Zerika get going so that I don't hold you up all day? I love chatting to you though. My, I'm I do. So selfish. I'm like, oh, I could do this for ages. <laughs> it's so fun, Nikki. Thank you for joining us today. It's really lovely of you to be on the podcast. It's my pleasure. I'm a big fan. So thank you for having me. Thanks. That means so much. I'm speaking to Nikki Christmas, who is the founder of Practically Perfect PA, a blog that Nikki started to write while she was still working full time as an assistant in London. It has grown and evolved enormously over the past 10 years. And Nikki has created the EA Campus, a community for assistants, which has trainings, access to exclusive content, and also the future assistant this year, which is being held virtually. It's a five day event designed for assistants to learn, develop and grow, focusing on their future. It is such a real treat to speak with Nikki this week and she is such a huge force in our community. You started your blog and you changed the kind of industry understanding of what it is to share information. I'm Henrietta Barker and you're listening to the Assistance Together podcast, a weekly interview show with people who tell their stories really candidly and who share their insight into being an assistant. I think we should give people a little bit of background that you knew who I was and I didn't know who you were and then I knew who you were (laughs) we swapped. You were kind of you were on my you've been on my radar for a long time as somebody that's been really instrumental in bringing a huge amount of value to assistance. Nikki and I speak about how to show that you're adding value, the changing market because of COVID and what Nikki thinks are things that are really important areas for you to consider. She really shares such incredible advice with us. Let's jump right in. I started Practically Perfect Care in 2011. I was working as an assistant at the time um, in an insurance company. And I was, um, I, I joined that company because it was a kind of leap up in terms of executive. So I, I was working with the C, COO, CFO and company uh, secretary. Um, and prior to that, I'd worked with board level executives, but um, not in the kind of, you know, top three jobs for executives, the, the people that weren't, you know, really moving the business forward. So I thought it was a really good fit. And then when I started, I very quickly realized that working for those um, particular directors was very, um, it was very slow work and it was very analytical and there was no need to be creative in that role. Also on top of that, I worked with the three guys and I was the only other member of staff on the whole floor of the organization everyone else worked on the floor below so it was really quiet and we just had the boardrooms so everyone would just sneak past my desk really quietly occasionally (laughs) kind of stealing a biscuit and then (laughs) I wouldn't see anyone so I needed a creative outlet and I wanted to um I wanted to kind of learn how to build websites that was something I was quite interested in and I really enjoyed writing so I thought I'm going to start a blog and I kind of had lots of different ideas about what I would do. And I thought maybe I could become a VA and the blog would be a, a side to the kind of VA business. And then I, st- I just started writing. I just thought I'll share some tips on what it's like to be an assistant. 
And mm -hmm. I didn't want to do the whole kind of, I'll be a anonymous and I'll write about how glamorous it is to be an assistant because that was quite popular at the time or kind of behind the scenes yeah behind the scenes and you know some of the terrible things I mean obviously there were terrible things that happened every assistant I think has got those stories but um, I didn't want to do that I wanted to actually write about what it was like to be an assistant and offer some tips and tricks on um, you know how to go about doing the job and from there, it just kind of ran really quickly. I don't think there was anything like it in the UK. No. I think the, there was real trailblazers in the States that, you know, had the online presence for a while. But in the UK, it was quite a new thing. Um, and I think with it being 2011, it was it, it became popular quickly because there wasn't a huge amount out there that was either free for assistance or online written mm -hmm. by an assistant. So. Yeah, it was um, right place at the right time, I think. Did you, how did you feel when you started writing things and putting it out into the world? What was it like? Was it strange? It was weird. It was quite, I, it was, I, to be honest, there was kind of two things to it. It was, it was a vulnerable moment, obviously putting stuff out there, but I didn't think anybody was going to read it. I mean, I, I remember at one point saying to my mum, <laughs> I've started doing this thing. And I, she signed up to the emails. And then, uh, you know, a few few weeks later, I was like, have you read any of it? No. <laughs> so I was like, well, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but very, very quickly, other people got in contact. So uh, there was a great recruiter I, I knew. She got in contact, said she read it, would I write for them? Um, Lucy Brazier, exec sec magazine, got in contact and I wrote an article for her. So it was you know slowly there were people starting to respond to it so that was nice <laughs> what kind of things did you write about at the beginning oh well it's funny I look back now I should do it because it's been 10 years and I look back at the website and it was I was so proud of it but looking back it was shocking <laughs> um, websites were then that's a quick yeah. disclaimer they yeah. were all much harder to make <laughs> <laughs> it was um yeah, I don't, I don't quite know what I was thinking with the theming, but it was, um, I was really, and I am still proud of it, to be honest. Uh, so I started writing, I think the very first post I wrote about was um, my routine and what that looked like in a day. I thought that would be really interesting and uh, just kind of going through the whole process of, look, this is what I want my routine to look like, but it so quickly shifts because people interrupt me and, you know, urgent work comes in and, you know, is it actually urgent? All of that kind of stuff that assistants deal with on such on such a regular basis, how to actually plan out a day's work when yeah. you're so, um, you know, so many people come over and, and interrupt you or everything has to get dropped because there's a crisis. So yeah, it was quite, from, from day one, it was practical stuff. How did you decide to, what was the point where you thought, I've been writing these things, now I want to, now I want to move away from my role. How did you develop a business side of it? Because I think people would be so keen to hear how it evolved. It's um, it's a, it's it was a lifestyle decision, and it was a, I need I need to get some money decision. <laughs> so um, I was working. I was so I was running the blog, and I was doing that in my own time while working full time as an EA. And then I got the opportunity to move to Barcelona. Um, which is where I am at the moment and I started working with William who is now my other half 
um, in business and in life. Mm -hmm. And he was running an events company and I was doing the marketing. And I was in a position that I could do that part-time and then start to develop um, Practically Perfect PA a bit more. And he was really supportive of that. And just the, the sheer fact of being living in Barcelona being cheaper than living in London, I was able to kind of reduce my bills and all that kind of stuff so I could focus on building Practically Perfect PA up. So it was good timing. And, you know, I went through different variations of, of building the business, but I was really lucky that I had a lot of support and um, I was able to kind of as I said take a bit of a break from having to just earn money which is where I was where I was at when I was living in London um, yeah. to be being able to just take the, to take the time to develop how I wanted practically perfect PA to go I knew I wanted to incorporate some events um, but to do that for a while I had to rely on sponsorship money on the website and advertising but I wasn't too comfortable with that so I quickly moved from having adverts on the website to taking them off and then shifting to having events so that then I yeah. could start to generate income from the events to keep make to ensure that practically perfect PA stayed advert free and free content yeah. so and then from there it's kind of developed organically as things have moved with assistants and what they want I've tried to kind of keep up with the demands from the practically perfect PA community and and develop things that I think that will help them. Mm. It's been ten years, which is just crazy to me. Oh, you've got a big congratulations! That's amazing. It really is and a huge accomplishment. I wonder. Yeah, there's, if, there's been a lot of learning. Yeah, I'll come. Yeah, I mean for sure, right? But one one of the things I was thinking about is I wonder if being um in Spain gave you an early understanding about how you could create the business online rather than some communities are location-based and you know that is amazing because it provides local structure for you as a community but I wonder if you feel that it it gave you looking back this understanding of it being more global rather than more London centric because you left your kind of your home your home city I think yeah you're absolutely right I from day one I wanted practically perfect PA to, to be practical tips for assistance I mean there are a lot of things and tasks that assistants do that kind of go around that but when I was working as a EA or PA in London everything seemed to be geared towards running events um yeah. sort of hospitality and that was covered for me in my mind I was like the people that are doing that at the time and, and still do that now they know what they're doing they love hosting yeah. um they love showing off new venues and um restaurants and things like that and that's such a big part of the role but those guys had that covered so yeah. I wanted to do things like I suppose slightly less glamorous in that sense, but how to manage an email box or how to, you know, schedule your executive's diary really well or how to manage their tasks. That was my bag. That's what I enjoyed teaching and um, sharing the kind of information that I was learning and passing that on. That was that was the stuff that got me really excited about being yeah. an EA. Wow. So um, I think that was 
from day one, that's kind of what I wanted to focus on. And then obviously when I left London, it wasn't an option because I wasn't, um, I wasn't, I, I wasn't there to kind of do that stuff. So I had to focus on the things that were global in that sense. All EAs have to know how to manage an email box really well or, you know, be really good at scheduling. So that, that helped that I'd made that decision in the first place. Yeah, I, I went, yeah, I was wondering if it was because it felt like you'd, it just expanded it in a different way. Like you'd said from, you know, and those communities that have events and love showing off venues and stuff, God, they're fantastic. Right. And yeah. I love it too, you know, if anyone wants to invite me. <laughs> I can't wait to get back to doing that. I'm, That'd be great. I'm happy to come to hang out. But it is that feel of, I just felt like, yeah, you being in a different country would give you that. It's not a, a, not necessarily an advantage. It's just a different vantage point about the things that assistants are dealing with or thinking about or that people concern themselves with in a different way that's really interesting I think in life moving abroad does that because you're so very particularly in a country where they speak a different language you're so very quickly out of your comfort zone that I think it it expands your mindset in so many ways in business in life um as I always say it's um I'm every time I leave my front door I'm kind of leaving my comfort zone because I have to speak a different language. So every time I'm leaving the house, I have to do that. So it's um, in terms of just developing confidence and other kind of mindset stuff that also relates to assistance, I've had to do that because I'm running a business and because I live in a different country, you're constantly having to challenge yourself. Yeah, I imagine that it must feel, you know, it's just different, isn't it? And, it? and it is an endless kind of looking at life from a different perspective, doing things in a different way. I'm willing to fail as well, which is so, I mean, when I was an assistant, I hated the thought of not doing something right. Or, um, you know, I used to get, I, I used to make mistakes and it would really affect me. I, you know, I'd get really upset about it. And now every day I'm making mistakes with how I speak and, you know, um, all that kind of stuff. So just being comfortable with mistakes and failure is is a really has been really positive actually. That's super interesting to me. I I wonder. I don't know. What do you think it was about your your role as an assistant that made you feel like that about making a mistake or and not even a mistake, right? Just an error. You know, not even. And it's nothing catastrophic, is it? It's mm. just. Do you think it's a perception of the type of role that it is that you have to be perfect well that's one of the reasons I call I called it practically perfect PA because I was so far from that but it was such it was the ideal you know and obviously the link to Mary Poppins which is a film I love but um <laughs> it was yeah me too um no it, it was that's the ideal isn't it when you're an assistant it's that just flawless execution and it's so hard to achieve um, I mean, I think, I think it's, for me, I think it's an impossible dream to chase because then you're kind of neglecting authenticity to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, that's, that was one of the reasons kind of ironically I called the, the blog that, uh, Practically Perfect PA. But um, I think it's really hard. I think for assistants, you're working at such an extreme level you know you work with such senior people who are brilliant at what they do otherwise they wouldn't be there so the expectations are high and I think so many of us are people pleasers 
So we want to do a really good job. We want to be perfect. We want to do it right every time. But that's at the de detriment, I think, of so many other things. And I think assistants do have to be really careful to, sh to, to chase that because it, it can be really tough. It can be really tough to get to that point. And I think sometimes mistakes are really good and you want to work with an executive who gives you the room to make mistakes because that's where you grow. That's where you learn. And that's ultimately what will make you a better assistant. I think it's a, an interesting sort of cultural situation that we're in actually about failure, making mistakes. We're all, well, I say we were all, and I can't generalize for anyone else, but it's certainly something that at the beginning of my career, you know, I was terrified if I messed up. I feel like we are as a society understanding or reframing failure to a certain extent that without it, we aren't going to get any better at what we do and that we're in a position where we can we can fail and keep moving forward it doesn't have to hold us back as long as it doesn't emotionally affect us so mm. much but for me it was always that horrible niggling feeling of like i've done something wrong oh, i hated it yeah. now i fail all the time i do everything wrong it's yeah absolutely i think it I think it also depends on the reaction to it, doesn't it? I think if you yeah. have a if you have a good reaction to failure, then you'll you'll learn from it. Mm. If you have a bad reaction to failure, and I've had that a lot, where I've had you know I've done something wrong and it's not. I'll, I'll get it's a story I, I've told a few times before, but I really messed up once at work. Um, I had we had some amazing tickets to a rugby World Cup final. I think it was taking place in in the UK, and I gave two different directors the same tickets and these tickets were gold dust so one director came took the tickets left with them the other director came and I suddenly realized my mistake and because I didn't know what else to do I I didn't cover it up I just said to him oh gosh yeah. this is what's happened and he said you stupid little girl is what he said to me uh you need to go and sort this out so uh my executive wasn't there I think he was in a meeting or something so I immediately called my one of my best friends who worked in an office across the road completely different organization different company and I was like oh my god I can't believe this has happened can you come and meet me so she was like okay she left her office she had a really busy and important job but bless her she left her office to kind of basically talk me off of the wall because you know that re the reaction it gave you know the, the reaction back was so strong and so wrong that yeah. um you know just shrunk me so she was able to kind of build me back up and say look she was she still is incredible um she was like this is there's like you've got three four options here this is what you can do go away and try and fix the problem I was like, okay went back fixed the problem told my executive what happened and he just burst out laughing he was like you know these mistakes happen all the time just fine well, what have you done? I said, look, I found, I've thrown some money at the problem. I found some extra tickets. He was like, fine. And his reaction was really good. He did the right thing. At the end of the day, this isn't, you know, too massive a mistake that you can't fix. No. But the bad reaction really reduced me, made my confidence just shatter. So I think when it comes to failure, it's all about the atmosphere in which you kind of operate, isn't it? And how you can you know get those opportunities to grow with the people around you who can support you in your growth yeah and who don't demean you in such a horrible <laughs> yeah horrible way yeah
Yeah, it's it's it's. I tell that story a lot because it really, I just it's one of those stories that really sticks with you because you know it was such a silly mistake, but the reaction was just you know really debilitating. And if I didn't ha- kind of have an innate confidence to be able to go and solve a problem, that could have been really detrimental to my career. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I know that. Thank you for sharing it. I feel like it's just so sad, isn't it, to think that people are treated in that way for making a really simple error. So I really appreciate your distinction of the environment being such an important part of how we cope and learn and accept and and failure. I mean, you can't, that's not even a failure, is it? What happened? You know, that's the ironic thing. It's not a failure. It is just an error. Yeah. Well, I think the rugby world cup tickets were um, so in demand. (laughs) Yeah, that's, and, they, and that guy really wanted to go. <laughs> yeah, well, he should have got his own tickets. That's why he should have done that. <laughs> that's that's my that's the end of my thought process on that guy. We won't talk about him anymore. And I I really also would like to ask you about the EA campus and how you know you've developed this incredibly successful business where you have shared so much knowledge with people and cared for your community and now you're taking it into a different space and I'm so keen to hear how that's evolved. Yeah it was um it was exactly that we were putting a lot a lot of content out there on practically perfect PA and I think one of the things with the blog is that you put the content out there and then it just kind of goes out there and you don't get a huge of you don't get a huge reaction back. You might get some comments on social media, but there isn't a place really where people can say how much they enjoyed the content or what they've learned from it or come back in six months and say how it's helped their career. So I wanted to start to build something a a little bit more around community, really following the same principles as Practically Perfect PA in the sense that it would be practical and it would be content led. Um, So we launched it, I think in October last year, and all we wanted was 100 members, which we have now. And it's very much in beta mode because what I wanted to do was really find out what the community wanted. Mm-hmm. Because I, for a long time, as I said, I've been putting content out there without too much back. But, you know, people coming to our events and, you know, just from looking at the analytics and the blogger could see people were on the website and reading things. But it was not, it, I wanted to just, start to develop more of a community and help people more on a one-to-one basis and get assistants to meet with each other like-minded assistants that could share their own thoughts content um share their wisdom so yeah it's been going well um as I said we've got our 100 members we're just about to do a survey with them to find out what so far what they like what they don't like it's been really nice actually it feels kind of like a new project that I've been working on it's it's a new thing for me developing a community and I want to do it right but slowly so, yeah. so that it's it fits in with what practically perfect PA does but it's um yeah it's a little bit more it's a little bit different um trying to get people to talk to each other and share their knowledge is uh, is always a challenge because you need to kind of build the trust element first particularly with assistants when they're you know this they, they have to be so um aware of co- keeping confidentiality so it's uh, it's nice yeah the 100 members that we've got are a really nice group um and they definitely share their thoughts 
And so, and so it's a community, how, how is it based so that people understand? So online, they join the EA campus. Yeah, so it's it's online. So they, they come through and it's, we use a platform called Circle. So for anybody else who wants to organize a, a community, it's a really great platform. They have the ability to, um, on the platform to speak to each other. So similar to like a Facebook feed or WhatsApp group or something like that, they can start discussions and comment on each other's discussion points. Mm -hmm. We have some kind of bespoke mini training on there. One of the things Practically Perfect PA does is um, online training. So we have a number of quite in-depth training programs that people can do. So we wanted to do something around that on the EA campus. So we've got some little mini training sessions that they can take part in. And then we have exclusive events. So we've been really fortunate. We've had three or four live Q and A's now with some really great um, either former assistants or currently still working as assistants. who've come on and shared some really incredible stories about their careers. So that's been wonderful. Uh, we have lots of other things on there like templates, um, gosh, ebooks, you know, just content effectively that you yeah. would also find on Practically Perfect PA, but that's exclusive to them. That's so exciting. So it's a different part of Practically Perfect for people to be really kind of interactive and get to know one another, which is really fun. Yeah, it's kind of, it's an extension of it. So if you like Practically Perfect PA and you want a little bit more from what we do, then you can join the EA campus. It's, I, I think it's reasonably priced. I didn't want to have a, a barrier because of finance. So, um, yeah, so it's, it's kind of an extension of what we're already doing. Fantastic. And this woman doesn't sleep. Oh, that's my thing. <laughs> tells me that she does, but I don't think she does because we've also got the future assistant coming up. Yeah. In a couple of weeks. Yeah. And I, yeah, I've been interested to hear what your thoughts are about how you've kind of put things together and what priorities you feel assistants have. Because I feel that as you're kind of curating a program of speakers, it's really interesting for me to understand what areas you feel assistants are looking at at the moment. It's an interesting one because we called it the Future Assistant and we started it in the first event was in 2015. Mm. And um, we, we always wanted to look towards the future, but obviously last year and this year has, has kind of thrown a spanner in the works with that because none of us were expecting the current situation that we're living in. Yeah. So you've, we've had to, we always like, we always said the future assistant looks five years ahead. Now we're looking at the end of this year, going into next year, because next year is again going to be a year that looks completely different to the last few years. Um, who knows what next year is going to look like? So we've we've re definitely reduced the amount of future looking that we had <laughs> previously. Yes. Um, and then obviously last year we had we it was a physical event and we had to pivot it online. And then this year we've gone fully online with it. So the things that we're looking at this year are, um, are really around what an office is going to look like, people returning to offices, what hybrid yeah. um, office is going to look like, how you manage a remote team, how you work remotely with your executive. So all of the technical stuff and all of the different things that assistants have had to, you know, so incredibly, and they've done it so incredibly well, have had to cope with for the last two years or year coming up to two years. Um, and then the, the, the things in terms of mindset and uh, 
kind of competencies, I don't think necessarily change a huge amount. I think um, there's lots of things that we can still do that are similar to things we've done in the past. So I think confidence is still something that we will always talk about with assistance. I think yeah. resilience is something now more than ever, but something we've always talked about with assistance, being flexible. Um, lots of competencies that I think are still really important, but obviously we are going to discuss those with an eye on what on what the world looks like at the moment. What kind of things do you think people should be considering at the moment? Yeah, I think there are a few things assistants could can look at at the moment. I think the first one has to be well-being and your own well-being. I think that is so, so important at the moment because we've all been through a huge amount this last year. You know, if we've not, if there's not grief, which so many of us have, you know, so awful, you know, it's been so terrible that we've had to, just you know, so, so much grief that we've people have had to deal with in the last year, um, and then if you've been you know lucky and and not had that, then you know there's so many other things that we've had to deal with this year. Just that constant low level um, anxiety mm-hmm. of hoping that nobody you know gets sick or um, you know stepping out your front door, just you know potentially you can catch this awful disease. So I think we've got to just be really careful with ourselves that's the first thing I would say I think give yourself a break this year has been incredibly hard don't beat yourself up if you forget to do something or you make a mistake so I think that's the first thing I would say just be super careful with yourself Um, and then after that I would say there's two kind of key areas I think you have to really start to build your confidence now because I think what is going to follow is going to be some tough times financially around the world. And I think, unfortunately, one of the areas that tends to get made redundant very quickly is the administrative area or the executive support area. Because so many assistants aren't really fighting their corner, they're not confidently saying where they add value. Because mm-hmm. so many assistants really revel in the idea of, um, you know, I do the work and, and then I, you know, I don't take the limelight. You know, it's behind the scenes. So people don't really know what I do. My executive doesn't really know what I do. And I've been guilty of saying that before, you know, as well. I'm like a swan, you know, it's all calm and underneath I'm, my legs are churning. Yeah. But actually that kind of is a detriment because at the moment being, you know, being um, not seen, not heard is not going to do you any favours. You've got to really express your value the value that you add, where you add to the bottom line of the business, where you save your executive time, all of those things, being able to confidently say what you do and articulate articulate the value that you bring is so important right now. Um, you don't want to be made redundant or lose a job because people don't know what you do. You want to be sharing what you do on a really regular basis. This is really interesting because I... Um, just to give some background, Nikki's asked me to be part of the future assistant and I'm really excited because I'm going to be doing some kind of insider recruiter secrets really about what you need to know in order to be able to do and, and be successful in your search and your career in a more broad sense. And one of the things that I've been, I find always comes up when we're talking to people is how we communicate your value. 
how can you communicate your value? Because if you're going into any kind of situation in an interview, whatever it is, that's the area that people, I mean, because it's hard, right? It's hard mm. to talk about what you do. No one likes it. No one enjoys, well, yes, I, you know, I'm going to tell you all the things that I do and how great I am. And this is something that if you can, as Nikki said, if you can, if you're starting to put that into practice now, it's just going to help you everywhere. It's going to help mm. you all the way through your career, any job interview. And the best people to practice on are people that you know. That's my thought process. So if you're in a job, and Nikki, let me know what you think about this hypothesis of mine. If you're in a job, understanding how you can communicate your value and your your where you really where you really get some results and what you really do for people. If you can practice there, I feel like that is going to allow you to have a much easier time communicating your potential value to someone else. And we know the job market is horrendous at the moment. I have messages from people every day telling me it's the worst it's been. They don't understand. That's in the UK. And that's not for everyone. And I don't mean that in a, we've all got to be scared and make you feel anxious. Mm. But such a good time if you're in a role to get these sort of ducks in a row and practice. How do people start practicing? Because I can talk about it from a when you're in an interview, but how do you start practicing when you're in a role and you don't know how to say those things to people? That's a really good question. I guess I approach it slightly differently because I think um, confidence comes, for, for a lot of assistants, confidence comes in kind of process yes. and you know and being really well prepared so I, I mean as a, as a former assistant I am really aware of that but I used to hate I mean I'm doing a podcast with you I would never have done this like 10 years ago I used to hate walking into a meeting room and knowing I was going to have to say something I used to go bright red I used to sweat I used to get really nervous and the only way I was able to get over that was to be incredibly well prepared. Yes. Um, so I think I know, you know, I've been in the role and I know, I know assistants who struggle with this because I did. So approach it from a slightly different point. You don't have to go in as the salesperson who says how amazing you are. Because I think yeah. most assistants who are from a similar place that I was in are humble and couldn't think of anything, you know, couldn't think of anything worse. So for me, it's things like to show your value, it's things like doing a briefing every day to your executive to tell them what you've done. You know, it's simple no. things like that. It's, it's not letting them think that everything happens without them aware of it and how amazing they are, but God knows what you do. It's telling them what you do in a briefing document that's gonna be helpful for them because they know what, where you are with your tasks and where you're not. Um, and it's gonna be helpful for you because you're telling them it's telling you're telling them what you do especially when yeah. you're working from home and you haven't got that immediate contact they can't see that you're running around and getting everything done um or focusing on a on a specific task or project and you clearly are working away at something they can't see that so it's that things like that i think for me are, sh are showing your value constantly communicating what you do checking in with your executive simple things like making sure that you jump on those zoom calls and your camera is on so that you are there and you know you know you're you're switched on and you you are taking part in those meetings 
things like that help to really, again, just help to show your value and start to build your confidence. Because if you work with a good executive, sending briefing documents, they're going to reply to you and you're going to start having those conversations about just strategic stuff and about things that are going to add to the bottom line. Um, so for me, I think it, it's not going in and saying, guys, do you know what I've done today? <laughs> <laughs> Let me just share that with you. It's, um, you know, it's really specific things you can do. <laughs> I really like those ideas because they're doable. And that's mm. the thing, isn't it? Is that often when we talk about things, they can be so abstract, you know, and also, you know, I don't come from a, you know, my age range, I don't come from a time where anyone taught anyone to talk about adding value or, you know, <laughs> yeah. how do you sell yourself? Those things weren't part of my, you know, they just weren't part of my um, vocabulary. I, I had no understanding of how to do that. And if you've built a career at all, and you aren't that kind of, you know, personality, maybe it's just about how I love those, those ideas of how you can actually start to communicate that and take up a little bit of space, rather than making everything look just so easy. Absolutely. It's absolutely that I love that it's taking up space, you, you know, you assistants work so hard, so mm -hmm. hard. Why wouldn't you want people in your organization to know what you do and know how hard you're working and how much value you do add because it's it's so easy for people to think well I can do I can do that. I can book my own travel or you know I can schedule my own meetings but as soon as yeah. you know as soon as they actually start to do it they very quickly realize how how tough that is when mm -hmm. they start to make mistakes and you realize how actually how often assistants do things so, so well yeah. but it, it's seamless yeah. yeah and that's the difficulty isn't it is that mate yeah i think that's so interesting that ties in so beautifully with what you were saying about you know practically perfect pa rather than being a perfect one and not having to strive for perfection but strive for knowledge ways to help yourself in the role ways to feel that you are able to do your job um and oh, this is an interesting perspective because I was about to say ways that you can do your job and you're more effective in that. But I mean, ultimately, I don't know what your thoughts are about this, Nikki, but this aspect of continual learning, right? Everybody having a growth mindset, which is fantastic and essential for you to develop in your career. But the emotional side of it is harder to implement as you were saying so i felt like i had to correct myself there because it's this it is about the the space that you're existing in and the parameters that you have and a lot of ideas sometimes aren't applicable in a business that you're working in it's hard isn't it to take the important bits and leave the other things and i suppose that's where the community element of things come in so beautifully because that's where you actually can ask people how they've implemented how they've implemented things or how they've brought new ideas to the table yeah i completely agree it's so it's so important for assistance i think as i was saying i think just the the amount of networking available out there at the moment and the the communities i think they're they're brilliant because the role is really hard it's tough it's not for everyone um and there are parameters around the role you know you can be 
the most amazing assistant but you know and you could be incredibly strategic and you can be you know you know within you you can add so much but within the parameters of the role that's those opportunities are few and far between um yeah. so i think when you go when you are you know you have that growth mindset and you want to do so much more it's great to be able to go into the communities that are out there um, and have those conversations with assistants who have either kind of pivoted within those kind of um close or, or more structured environments in which where, where there's not you know a huge amount of growth opportunities mm. or assistants who've gone you know sod this i'm going to go and find something else to do where i can absolutely fly in the role and being able to you know find assistants who have done all of those different things is is so valuable um so so valuable for assistants particularly assistants who are just starting out or want to move up the career ladder before we go can you just tell us a bit more about future assistant please it would be great to kind of get a bit more insight and in what it's going to actually be like this year yeah it was a real intention to try and do something different this year we as i said to you the future assistant used to be a physical event in london we ran that mm. for a few years and then we wanted to make it slightly different. So we decided to stream it live. So we did that for a few years. And then last year, as I said, we had to pivot it to an online event. Uh, we've been running online events since 2017. So we kind of ahead of the curve there. It wasn't a huge, huge change for us to make it a on completely online event. And then obviously this year, there are so many wonderful online events for assistance. So again, we were thinking, trying to kind of get go ahead, get ahead and um, try and do things a little bit differently. So we've decided to run it over five days, um, mm -hmm. which is a big undertaking. When I decided, when I was talking to William about it, I was like, that's brilliant. It's going to be like a festival. And then <laughs> when the um, actual starting planning of it happened, very quickly realised it's a lot of work. <laughs> but <it's good. laughs> so when you were talking about lying down, I very quickly realised there'd be a lot less sleeping. <laughs> because we now have to organise a, a five-day festival for assistance. <laughs> um, so my Netflix time has reduced quite significantly the last couple of months. Um, yeah, okay. so it's going to, it's, the programme runs over five days. On the Monday and Friday, we've got two really amazing keynote speakers who are going to come on and do um, kind of an hour's keynote, really inspirational speakers. And then the Tuesday through to Thursday is going to be, kind of similar to a to an online summit so we're going to have um, lots of sessions taking place on what we're calling our future stage and then we've got masterclass sessions taking place and we've got our bite-sized library of content which is going to just run across the whole week which people can dip in and out of as and when they choose the and you are one of them the lineup of speakers is fantastic we've one of the again one of the things that we've always tried to do with our events is bring in speakers from outside the industry so you hear from different voices and different perspectives um, that will influence you in all areas of, of your life and of business so we've got some really interesting speakers coming in to talk about lots of different things I'm really I'm really excited about this year's one I just think the speakers that we've got are going to bring such wonderful insights I'm really looking forward to it that was brilliant it's and just a lot of work <laughs> oh yeah well that, that is really right I think we've all accepted that you're prepared to work pretty hard. <laughs> we've, we've, we've understood it. I've definitely got the demo. And I, I love what you're doing. I think it's, there's so much on offer in different ways for people to access it. 
And I think that's really great. It, it understands that you might not be able to do three full days, you know, listening to fantastic speakers. You can dip in and out of things. You can you can join it in different ways to allow you the flexibility to get the information you want people to get. And that's the main thing. Yeah, it's um, I, I know that for a lot of assistants thinking of having to take a week off to, to train it would be horrific and impossible. So, um, yeah, just to say that there's absolutely no need to take a week off of work to, to sit and watch the content. You've got plenty of time to catch up on it or dip in and out over the week. That's brilliant. So how can people get in touch with you if they don't know already? I mean, I think most people know how to get in touch with you already, don't they? But tell tell people who haven't who haven't been in touch with you how they can. Well, everything starts with practicallyperfectpa.com. That's our website. That's where you'll find all of the information um, and articles and resources and things for assistance is all on there. And then um, the future assistant comes up in, is coming up in May. So that's our next event. So if you want to join us live for that, then again, the information's on Practically Perfect PA. And then I'm across most social media um, platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. I try, I'm not a big fan of Twitter, but I'm on there. <laughs> so feel free to contact me anyway. Everybody, we all say the same thing. We all say the same thing about that. We're like, I'm on Twitter, but you know, <laughs> not for me really. Funny, isn't it? It's it is really weird. Funny. We all feel the yeah. same. Yeah. 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 Perfect people. Go and have a look at Practically Perfect PA if you haven't, because I was reading one of the articles um, or the blog post that Nikki had written last night and the detail and the understanding and the perspective is so interesting. There's so much in there for you and it's all completely free. So take advantage and have a look and then join in with the other things like the EA campus and the future assistant that's coming up. There's a lot to be getting involved with. Thank you for sharing your story of everything. So much fun. I love thank it. Thank you. you. And can I just say thank you to you for doing such a wonderful podcast. I'm just really thrilled to oh. be on it. And the speakers um, that you've had are wonderful. And the stories you get out of people are really great. So you keep going with this as well. It's brilliant. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, we just hit a year, which seems mad, right? Absolutely mad. But it's been, yeah, it has. <laughs> You're 10 years, but after yeah it feels like it's gone really really fast but i really appreciate it thank you so much that was such an insightful episode i think nikki has so much to share about her experiences as an assistant and the experiences of people within the community she's created and developed an incredibly successful business around supporting people in their careers, which is something I totally resonate with. And I can't really believe it took us so long to finally speak. I really appreciated her time and her lovely, lovely comments about the podcast. I'm going to be back next week with another incredible guest. Have a super, super week.